Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I have Kelly Barnhart from Vibrant Restaurant coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined this week by my co-host and friend, Rebecca Masson, the chef owner of Fluff Bake Bar in Midtown. Becky, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me again. Well, thanks for doing this. We got a terrific response from listeners on your first (laughs) appearance, so I'm glad that you have agreed to return. I've been told I don't hold back. (laughs) No. And I, I don't expect that you're going to hold back on our first topic for the news of the week, which is the social media furor that El Tiempo Cantina sparked when it posted a picture of chef and uh, co-owner Dominic Lorenzo with Attorney General Jeff Sessions and a caption that, that stated that they were honored to serve him. Uh, needless to say, Mr. Sessions is a very polarizing figure in our contemporary political landscape and his advocacy for policies related to illegal immigration has made him particularly unpopular, uh, especially in a city like Houston that has a lot of immigrants living in it and maybe people living in it that um, did not necessarily enter the country through formal channels. This is a true statement, yes. Yes. (laughs) I I want to see Saturday Night Live do a skit of... Jeff Sessions eating fajitas. <laughs> I think it would be magical. <laughs> yeah, apparently he had breakfast at La Mexicana. Okay. And the general manager told the Chronicle that he didn't seem sure what to order. And so police chief Art Acevedo suggested huevos rancheros, which I suppose he probably enjoyed. Yeah, how could you not? Right. But so, so here's the thing. I was thinking about... I was thinking about... Previous times when political figures have dined at Houston restaurants, Michelle Obama had dinner at Trinity once. Yep. Uh, Joe Biden had brunch at Down House Mm -hmm. uh, around the time of the Final Four a couple of years ago. Um, I do not remember the vitriol associated with their visits. No, I don't. I think if the one thing we've learned from this presidency is people have opinions and their opinion is what matters, not yours. There's no... I don't feel like there's any sort of like, I I guess, like a legitimate conversation with someone else of an opposing view. It's a lot of dirt slinging, finger pointing, mud throwing. That's right. We've all made up our minds about the president. Yeah. One way or the other. And ain't nobody going to change anybody's mind at this point. No, you can. Yeah. No, it's it. In my family, we don't even discuss politics because that's the the mood that comes out. I've learned to listen and then I've learned to walk away because, you know, and the way I see it too, this is, I mean, just to the, in just to the point of the whole thing, I don't care who you are. You walk into my bakery. The only thing you and I have to agree on are cookies are delicious, right? That's it. Right. My, 
political views, my religious views, my personal views, they don't belong in my business because my business isn't just about me. It's about the six people that I employ. It's the people that come in my neighborhood. And one guy might like Jeff Sessions and one guy might not. So if I post a picture saying, oh, look, my buddy's here eating cookies, then that other guy's not going to come back. Right. I think in general, and and I'm... I'm sort of citing Danny Meyer here, who basically said the same thing. Yeah. Restaurants should serve the people that walk in their doors without some sort of political litmus test for their beliefs. Now, obviously, there are extreme exceptions on either end of the political spectrum, right? If a bunch of, you know, neo-Nazi sympathizers wanted to come in wearing swastikas, I think I'd be like, get the hell out. Right. Could That's you, Could you leave your swastikas at the door? <laughs> right. Could you take your, did you take your swastikas? No. Yeah. Right. Like anything that's going to, incite the other people in the restaurant right that's probably not okay but but just to sit there and quietly eat your meal mr attorney general no problem right i i think we, we don't we don't want to be like the restaurant in virginia that kicked out no, sarah sanders right exactly i mean i bobby hugo put up a post last night on facebook and then took it down because of some <laughs> of the vile comments which it's sad. That's what I'm talking about. We can't have a We're, adult conversation. But it's the same thing. It says Danny Myers. Like we are in the hospitality business, and despite what some other food-related websites in town saying that fascists don't deserve hospitality, and then using Danny Meyer to try and prove their point, like get get a grip. Right. right. I like that Danny Meyer himself like did an interview and said no, no. Yeah, we're gonna serve everybody and, and because it's a slippery slope, right? If if one day, you know, a person's opinion about immigration policies is unacceptable and makes him unworthy of service, then the pendulum will swing the other way, and all of a sudden it'll exactly. be exactly. You know, and if and if one of my whatever. staff has an issue with the person in question walking in, and they're like, you know what, I don't agree. He makes me my stomach turn. I can't even look at him. I'll go. Okay, cool. I'll go do it. Don't right. worry. I'm not going to make my staff do something. And somebody asked me, well, what if it put your staff in danger? What if their policies was making their lives, you know, being in danger? And I said, if Jeff Sessions or Sarah Huckabee walks in, my staff's not in in, in imminent danger. Right. The Secret Service is not there to arrest your staff. Right. So nobody's in danger. Right. Like we don't. We, like I said, we don't have to agree with your policies. We don't have to, you know, disagree or agree on anything except for cookies are delicious. Cookies are delicious. Yeah. And I, I think the, the issue that El Tiempo, El Tiempo's problem was. They posted the photo. Posting the photo and, and seemingly praising yeah. Jeff Sessions. If Jeff Sessions walked into Fluff. You'd sell him a cookie, but you wouldn't take a picture with him. Exactly. And I wouldn't post that Jeff Session was in. It's just like the time I got to feed weed cookies to Wu-Tang. No one knows I did that. Partially because Dutch told me not to tell anybody. Until right now. Until right now. But there might be people who think weed cookies are bad. And they might not come by fluff cookies anymore because I know how to make cookies with weed. So I don't tell anybody when I do crap like that, you know? It's the same thing. I'm not going to post a picture of someone who's so controversial or a topic that's so controversial. And it's it's another reason how I look at certain charities that I will or will not get involved with. Who are you supporting? Who's your money going to? Whoa, that's a topic I don't want to touch. My business should not make a draw a line in that political sand. Now, I will say, 
if Beyonce ever walks into your bakery. Oh, hell yeah. I'm posting that shit everywhere. Yeah. That woman's a local hero and you should yeah. you should take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, she called Kelly Fields once. Kelly was all lounging on her couch, hanging out, having a glass of wine. She picks up the phone. Hello. Hi, Kelly. This is Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's more like one of those situations where like the president calls you and it's like ring, ring, and they're like, hold for Beyonce. I know, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Beyonce's not dialing. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even ask Beyonce, like, how did you get my number? No, no, there is no, I don't, it, you know, it, it might, you might have found it on some bathroom wall. I ain't asking. Yeah. Uh, but so, so here's the thing. Do you think there will be lasting damage to El Tiempo for this? No. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I think you've got, you know, it's, 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 it's the way I look at these things. You know, we live in kind of this little social media bubble in that who we're friends with, who we follow. It's in this industry. And, you know, there are, that might be, let's just be generous and say it's 100,000 people, right? Sure. Okay. There's 4.999 million other people in this city that aren't following this, that don't follow El Tiempo, don't know that Jeff Sessions went in there. Plus, they put butter on their fajitas. The fajitas are very delicious. I don't like that they make you pay extra for guacamole. That's why I have. That's why I don't <laughs> regularly eat at El Tiempo because when you order the fajitas, you have to pay extra for the guacamole, and so I'd rather go to oh, a never... place like Ninfas or Papacitos where the guacamole is included in the price of the fajitas. I've never noticed because my mom just orders guac, so it's well, just a yes, thing. Yes, that's how they get you. Ah. They upcharge you that six or eight or ten bucks for guacamole. I gotta start paying attention to my bill. You'd think I was like Miss Moneybags over here. <laughs> I got the guac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think... you got guac money. <laughs> we know that Fluff is doing well. You can afford the guacamole. <laughs> um, what isn't it? Chipotle? The gu- the guac is extra. Is it's that the joke? Extra. Yeah, um, yeah. I think El Tiempo made a, a snafu by posting that photo. Um, I, I'm kind of proud of them for not backtracking and taking it down. Oh, no, they took it down real fast. Oh, they did? Oh, yeah, after about like three, four hours, they took it down. And uh, they have taken all of their social media as of today, which is uh, Monday, August 13th, which is behind the curtain when we record these. Uh, uh, well, all of El Tiempo's social media pages, Instagram, all their Facebook pages for all their restaurant locations, mm-hmm. Twitter, all gone. Now, they may they may come back at some point, but yes, they were getting... Oh, they were so thoroughly hammered by people who don't like Jeff Sessions that they had no choice. And this has become national news, right? Oh, we maybe have, we will get the SNL skit then. Right. Culture Map, uh, my article in Culture Map has been linked to by both foxnews.com and uh, the would, Washington Post. Of course Fox News. Come well, on. Yes, of course. Yeah. But so... Yes, this is this is national news. Oh my god! See, uh, this is this is what I'm. Ta- it's like when we all got our panties in a wad over the jacket that um, his wife. What's her name? I forget her name. Mrs. Oh yes, Trump. that Melania wore. She wore it on the plane. She didn't wear it there. It's a what forty dollar jacket from Zara. She took it off. Like, yeah, but didn't, wasn't it like I don't care to you or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was. It's it's stupid fashion. Who cares? Like it 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 just those things just don't matter. I feel like in this day and age. With social media and fo- the ability to post photos so quickly and to be able to, like, lash out at someone at, while you're in rush hour traffic with road rage, it's just, it's made the world a nasty place. It it makes Facebook hard to be a part of. It makes Twitter almost, it, it's made Twitter basically yeah. worthless for me. Like, I, 
I, I don't use, spend nearly as much time on Twitter as I used to. I use Twitter to post about fluff and to poke at certain people. Yes. Because it's fun. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, they're not good journalists. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're going to put a pin in that. Okay. Uh, we're going to move on to food hall news because we I'm can never have enough food hall news. There are two more coming. So you, how many is that total? Okay. So confirmed. Uh, we have conservatory. That's the original. Right. We have Bravery Chef Hall that you probably know all the folks involved in that. Right. Uh, we have Lyric Market, which is coming to the kind of the theater district that uh, they're working with um, Clark Cooper Concepts, Charles and Grant on that. Uh, we have Finn Hall, which is going to be I in the Chase that. Building downtown. That's where like Good Company and uh, Dish Society are going to be. A, it's above ground, right? That's above ground. Okay. Uh, let me think. And then, okay, so so then adding to that mix is this understory. This is coming to the Capitol Tower, which is where the Houston Club used to be on Capitol Street. And it's going to have seven stands and a full-service restaurant. And the, the, the key selling point here is that it has five points of tunnel access. Okay. Uh, which will make it very good for the lunch crowd. Uh in a total of 35,000 square feet, and that uh, the very famous architect, Michael Shue, is doing the design. So when I think of food halls, I look at, um, oh, what is, it's Pont City, Pont, in, yeah, in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. We called it Ponzi's Game because I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> That's so bad. Anyways, it's, it's a whole separate being. It's not it's, attached. It's, a, it's its own building. It's not attached to an office. It's not an underground from a restaurant. It's its own building, right? And you've got all these restaurants. Some of them you can actually go in. Some of them you sit outside. I don't think these places are really food halls. I don't know. Well, I think I think the ones like I think Finn Hall and Understory are going to do. They'll be fine at lunch. Right? Yeah, they'll, they'll be great they'll at be, lunch. They'll That's be, it. They will be better, like, because I, I worked downtown in the tunnels, like, 20 years ago. Not that I'm that old, but just that's when I worked there. And it was a nightmare. And I'm sure that it has gotten better as, as the quality of all food in America has gotten somewhat better. But right. I suspect that, for the most part, the tunnel tunnel restaurants are all about quick service, high volume, because they really only make their money... They make lunch. a little bit of money at lunch, but they basically make all of their money from about eleven to one. Right. It's like a it's like the food court at the mall. Yeah. When we were kids. That's right. That's yeah. correct. So this will be a little better than that. This will be a little fancier than that, and presumably a little more expensive than that. Uh, and is that going to deter those people in the? I mean, those people that work downtown. A lot of them go down in the tunnels. They're on budgets. Yeah. No, I'm sure that's true. I can't afford twenty bucks a day for lunch. No. No, they're going to have to be in and that like. Block money. They're going to have to be in that like, right? <laughs> Sorry, gonna have oh, I snorted. <laughs> we're leaving that in. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to be in that ten to twelve dollar range, right? You, yeah. You're not going to be able to do a twenty dollar lunch. Yeah. With any sort of regularity. Um, obviously, I think these things are going to live and die based on how good the restaurants are. Exactly. Right. Like Finn Hall, it's like, oh, they got Good Company, they got Dish Society, they got some new stuff. Yeah. Uh, from successful food truck operators. That all sounds good to me. Uh, understory, a little more tenuous because I don't know who the chefs are going to be. Right. Right. So, you know, tell me, 
tell me what the restaurants are going to be here. Let me try the restaurants and then I'll have a better fix on whether or not I think it's going to work. Dinner is trickier, right? Because parking downtown is problematic. You probably need to use Lyft or Uber to get down there. You're probably, and, and then, you know, what are you, you're going to eat there and then go to the bars on main street. I mean like that, that whole, or go to a show at, at the theater district, right. like all that stuff is, is less clear to me, but they also, they're all going to have bars. So they all think that they can be a nighttime destination. I, I don't see how, I mean, you've already got, what is it? America's? No, it's not America's. What's the big one in the, the Cordua? Is it America's? Yes. Down by the Hobby Center? Or oh, the, they closed that. Yes, it oh, was did? called... Uh, Artista? Artista, yes. Yeah. Long gone. I or not that long well, gone, there you but go. gone. So, like, that's gone. I mean, what else has made it down? Batonga's still down there. Yeah. But, you know, no one talks about 17 anymore. N- no one talks about right, the which restaurant. Right, which has a new concept now. No one talks about Line and Lariat and the Icon. Yeah. Like, I just don't see dinner working down there. I'm sorry. I'm negative Nancy. I see how much pain in the ass parking in Midtown is, so I can't even fathom what it is downtown. Yes. You know, it's just crazy. And, you know, I, who was it that got all up, uh, Frank's Pizza got all up in arms when the food trucks were allowed downtown? So what are those people that are down there in the tunnels? They're going to get all up in arms about these new above ground places. I mean, I just, I don't know. You're, I think you're just kind of bombarding the area. Why don't you open one and let, let them see like let somebody be the guinea pig well yes you would you would have thought that would have been the program but this food hall trend is so popular nationally we're yeah most two cities, to five years behind most cities have one yeah one grand well, one right new york has a bunch of them right none of these really seem like they're going to be the houston equivalent of philadelphia's reading market yeah which brings me to Ooh. the concept that might be which is called railway heights and this is the partners from Conservatory opening at the far northern end of Washington Avenue, north of I-10. Uh, they want to have 50 total vendors. About half of them will be food. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a farmer's market. They're going to have a butcher, a baker, a, uh, a cheesemonger. A cheesemonger. <laughs> there might. Well, they want to do crafts, so they might have a candlestick maker, They might have maker a candlestick too. maker. Uh, a beer garden. And eventually, the developer is going to build a 600-car automated parking garage on the property. Huh. That's more tenuous. I think you should have the that. Food the food stuff is really happening. Building. Yeah. I don't know. I don't build buildings, but, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. And then don't even get me started at what they're going to do to Caninos. Well, yes. I mean, the, the whole plan to transform the Caninos market into something a lot like a food hall with, more vendors and and what's going to happen some to restaurants all those families in the back there well they swear they're going to find a way to keep them around but yeah uh you know realistically a lot of those people are probably going to go to the flea market type venues that are farther north on 45 right which like sucks because I, I, I was, love going back there getting <laughs> stuff i know there's all kinds of cool stuff back there every guest almost every guest chef i brought this year for the thursday night takeover i've taken back there and they're just like blown away like christine from san diego was like i can't even get this nice a personally in california yeah that's sad those people have been there for ages yeah <sighs> so stupid capitalism 
<laughs> yes, this is the progress. This is, this I know. is the progress. I know. It comes at a cost. Um, but so, I mean, I, do you I, get approached for any of these concepts? I mean, are there people that want you to sell cookies and, and mm. Veruca Salt? At- no one's asked me. Maybe I'm too mean. Okay. I mean, it's it, someone did ask me if I wanted to build a kiosk in, the, in a mall, and I said, oh, n- no, thank you. Okay. Does, I mean, the, the logic of Railway Heights essentially is if we put enough cool stuff there, people will feel well, compelled to go. Right. And that they will support all these different concepts. I mean, I went to one in Plano called Legacy, Legacy Food Hall. Hall. Yeah. And, you know, I had soup dumplings and my nephews had pizza and my brother-in-law had a burger. You know, like, you know, and my sister had a salad, no, no, right? It's like, a great, it's, it's a, a great idea. Great idea. It's. It is like, like I said, it's like going to the food court. It's when I was in Paris this summer, um, Gallery Lafayette kind of did the same thing on the ground floor of their home. Like you have um, Pierre, uh, Pierre May, the Japanese pastry chef, Michelec, the Eclair did, Jan Couvert. You had like Alain Ducasse chocolate. So you had like this food hall of pastry. I was in heaven. I need that. I yes. know. I didn't have to traipse all around the city to get everything that I wanted. It was nice. So in that sense... If it works, like, yes, I'm all for it. Because you can take a family of four and everybody can get what they want to eat. Right. So are you intrigued by this as a business owner or is this not for you? Um, It's intriguing. I mean, we definitely have thought about approaching some of these people. But I right now my kitchen's too small. I need a bigger kitchen. Okay. That's not saying I'm going to build one. Just saying I just need one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll start getting phone calls and emails as a result of you saying that yeah all right let's do one more thing in the news of the week uh just briefly i want to note that the one-armed scissor cocktail bar uh, michael molina's little project that had originally opened next to huey's tavern uh on north main in the heights uh will live again they have taken a spot on travis street right next to public services oh i read about this yeah Uh, yeah yeah. michael has worked at wooster's garden and moving sidewalk and probably other places. And I liked one. I, I didn't spend a lot of time at one arm scissor. Uh, but the couple of times I stopped by, I thought the drinks were good. They were very reasonably priced. And I, you know, for as many bars as have opened downtown, I still feel like there's room for one more. Oh, yeah. If it's kind of chill and service oriented. And like Michael was saying, he wants to cater to that, you know, 25 to 35 crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and less of that like 21 to 25 crowd that basically floods uh, the 300 block every Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> get, them, get them, get the little older millennials. That'll be good yeah. for you. Yeah. No, I, you know what? You've seen, you've seen the bars downtown not only maintain and stay, but be, still be successful. So you put something else down there that's, more public services. Yeah, a little of. older. Right. I think public services has done well by yeah. by just being that, by being kind of service-oriented, by being a couple of blocks off. I wish it was closer to my house. I'd go all the time. I feel the same way. Right. Right. Problematic downtown parking. Yeah. Uh, and just far enough from my house that I I don't know. I've been going to Night Heron a lot or more because that's close oh, that's to my in house. Your hood. Yeah. yeah. I, I also really like sitting on the couch in my pajamas i'm not gonna lie yeah (laughs) 
That was my Friday night. Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Mine was trying not to stab someone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to put a pin in the news of the week. And we will be right back with our uh, restaurant of the week. So stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Becky, for our restaurants of the week, now, we did not have an opportunity to dine together. Uh, my schedule was hectic. Your schedule was bonkers. Yes. Uh, but I do want to briefly discuss a couple of new openings, uh, the first of which is International Smoke, which has been open for a month, and I have not yet had the opportunity to talk about on this podcast, so I want to start to rectify that, and I will have Chef E.J. Miller on the show in the coming weeks, but uh, I do want to talk about it as a dining destination because in the run-up to the opening, it was described as a global barbecue joint. And I think that does it a huge disservice. Yes, you know, I got, uh, I, I text, was texting EJ asking him because I didn't get to go out to eat with you. And I said, what do you want me to say? And he goes, tell them we're not barbecue and we're not a vape shop. <laughs> right. Yes. Because when I say barbecue, Texans think three meat plates with uh, coleslaw and potato salad, and they yeah. don't really serve any of that. They serve smoked St. Louis cut ribs, but that's about it. It what it really is is a, a global, a globally inspired restaurant that takes flavors from like East Asia and India and the Caribbean, and applies the the live fire cooking and, and smoked elements to that. So when I had dinner there a couple of weeks ago, you know, we started with roasted oysters and then we had uh, what they called instant bacon, which was the, their take on the very classic uh, smoked pork belly bao buns that David Chang Ooh, did yum. that were super delicious. And then, you know, we had a, a classic wedge salad with their house cured and smoked bacon in it. We had a really nice uh, beef rib that had a Korean spiced glaze on it and a little, Yum. it came with a little kimchi on the side uh, and a, and a, just a, like a really kind of classic piece of grilled chicken that had a little bit of wood smoke to it and then uh, dessert of some sort. I don't remember. There was dessert. There's always dessert. There's always dessert. It's sad and cocktails. They have great cocktails. It's sad when you don't remember what it is. <laughs> um, that I, It was like a brown butter. It was, I think it was a brown butter cake. Oh, okay. Can't go wrong with brown butter cake. No. Um, all of that makes me want to run out and go eat there. Yeah, I think that's the point. Is that you, you know, it, whatever you think about, <laughs> if you're a really passionate Rockets fan, that's skeptical because it's Aisha Curry's restaurant. And you hate Steph Curry because he made the Rockets look like a, not good at basketball. <laughs> um, too bad because this is a you know, it's probably of all of the restaurants in City Center, I would say this is the one I am most likely to eat at. Okay, yeah. And there's a lot of choices. Do you think they sprinkle dried Rockets tears on Rocket fan tears on their food? Yeah, I think that's probably that's yes. A, I bet that I bet that's what makes it delicious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, I think I think this is a really nice addition to Houston. I think I think we have, you know, over the last three or four years, we've had a lot of really good barbecue, like traditional Texas style barbecue restaurants open. Yeah. Uh, to a certain extent. Not that we're not that we're done with that, or that we have a sufficient amount because there's always room for another good one. But this is very, very different than that. And and the one thing that caught me by surprise is I went there with a friend. He was like, I didn't expect it to be so casual, because Michael Mina, the, so the chef, is, is so known for his fine dining and his steakhouses. You can wear a t-shirt and jeans to this, no problem. Nice. 
Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. And I will say, it's not cheap. Okay. Right? It adds it right because everything looks so delicious. And you're like, oh, yeah, give me the, give me six oysters for 18 bucks. And give me the beef rib for 35 bucks. And give me the, you so know, is, is give it, me the this and the that. And the cocktails are 12 bucks or whatever. And so, like, your dinner for two is going to be $100 or more. And if you drink, 150 or more. But it was all really delicious. I don't feel like I got ripped off. I just... Is it like I was just surprised by the bill at the end because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you that got happens gu- a lot. Because you got guac money. Um, is it like that steakhouse mentality where here's your main, here's your sides, and everything's separate? Or they do are- a little of that. Okay. Yeah, but then I think the... Yeah, I mean, like the chicken and stuff came with some vegetables and the beef rib came with like the kimchi and the pickles. But yeah, if you want, you know, mac and cheese or whatever, that's going to cost you a little bit. Right. Okay. Still going to go eat. Yeah, you yeah. should go eat. And then the other restaurant I want to talk about is called Pizza Modus. This just opened up in Westview. They are doing Roman style. And here's where I mispronounce uh, foreign words. Pizza alla taglia, which is a a rectangular, a a kind of thin rectangular pizza with a very crispy, buttery crust. So like flatbread? So, so, but it's (laughs) not that, it's not that cracker thin. It's like, it's got, it's got some chew to it. Okay. So it's. This is this is really bad for radio, but it's like you know this thick, uh-huh. you know it's it's like a New York pie in the sense Let that it it's know got some... that he's showing about an inch thick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about a half an inch. Half an inch, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so but it it does have some chew to it. Um, How's the tomato sauce? So I thought the tomato sauce was okay. Um, actually, my favorite. So I got a, a slice of pepperoni that was hot out of the oven, uh-huh. and then I ordered uh, a no tomato sauce pie. With uh, fresh mozzarella and sliced tomatoes and basil on it, basically. So is it like, squa- like they cut it down the middle and it's square? Yes. They- okay, okay. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. This is apparently a very popular style of pizza in Rome. Not that I've ever been to Rome, but that's what they I don't me. remember seeing. I went, but that was a long time. I, it was like 2001 when I was in Rome. All right. You got to go back to Rome and have the pizza. Okay. I'll do that next trip. There you go. Uh, but uh, very crispy crust, very buttery crust. Uh, the only problem on the pepperoni was I thought the cheese was kind of like flavorless, that kind of like standard delivery pizza cheese, mm. which does not seem worthy of this concept, especially when you're paying, I want to say it was either 350 or 375 for a slice. Uh, an individual size pie will set you back 13, 14 bucks. Uh, and then the other thing they did that I thought was a little bit annoying is that, you know, they have the, you order at a counter and then they flip the screen around and you get to tip. Yeah. And the three choices were 18, 20, and 25%. No, 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 no. Yeah. That needs to be 10, 15, 20, maybe, or something. I think ours, I think Fluffs is like 15, 18, 20, and then there's a custom. Yeah. So I. And there's a no tip button, obviously. Right. There was a no tip. So obviously, so I was feeling somewhat um, obnoxious about it. And I pulled out my phone and (laughs) used the calculator to figure out what 15% would be. And then I tipped that. I love it. Because I'm not tipping, as I've discussed on the show before, I'm not tipping 20% for counter service. I just can't do it. No. And, you know, it, at Fluff, we have it too. And I don't, you know, it's, it's my girls all pull the tips. So it goes directly to them. I take nothing. And so they, you know, they're, I feel like they're providing you a service. Not only did they make it for you, but now they're serving it to you. But do I expect 20%? No, I don't. I mean, a buck here or there. My girls do well. They got guac money. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 
Good. It, well, it usually helps when I've got out front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of which, uh, tell us about your uh, chef. Before you get out of here, tell us about your chef's feed article. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, it's called I'm Not a Bitch, I'm the Boss. And it kind of boils down to, uh, it, it's not, I should, let me preface this by saying, and I almost, I was going to post something on social media today because I got a really, really funny, positive review. There are more positives than negatives. Uh, just like any, like, you know, self-hating person, I focus on the negative. Um, and, you know, some things that have, you know, words that have been used to describe me and people's perception of, I, I think not just, and after posting the article, I don't think it's just limited to female pastry chefs. It's female chefs. You know, you get the the GM telling the chef to tell, you know, and in, in the restaurant they own, the chef's a woman, she owns the restaurant. GM says, tell the hostess she should smile more. Uh, hell no, I'm not going to do that as a woman. Like, just because I have my game face on, it's now my resting bitch face, whereas my male counterparts are focused and right. on the line. Concentrated. Yeah. And we all know I'm not Betty Crocker, and nor will I ever claim to be that rosy-cheeked, apron-wearing girl. Like, you get what you see, like a little snark, a little sweet. Just depends on what day of the week it is. And it's also opening people's you know, the general public's eyes to, I got, I'm just like you. I got issues, but multiply it times six. You know, I might have a drunk employee. The HVAC might go out. You have no idea what's right. going Someone on. Someone might bust a pipe and flood, you know. Exactly. And so people just come in and assume, I mean, for goodness sakes, one of my nicknames is Sugar Hooker. Do you really think I'm going to be like, ding, ding, Shirley Temple? Like, it's just kind of saying, hey. This is who I am. You can take it or leave it. Like, that's... Right. All right. Well, I will link to that in the Culture Map article that accompanies this podcast so people can read it. Cool. And then who are the next two people doing bake sales at Fluff? Uh, well, this weekend, um, we <clears throat> we had a snafui. We don't have anybody. But I am repeating the tandoori fried chicken that I did two weeks ago because it was so good. All right. Um, and then the 23rd, we have Drake Leonard's from the up-and-coming Eunice doing a preview dinner. Ooh. For the Thursday night takeover. Ooh, I'll be there for that. Oh, and then the next Saturday is Gabe Morales from Daidui Taqueria in Austin. Ooh. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about Daidui Taqueria. I was a judge at the Koshan in Austin. and They won. They won. And it was, it was tasty. It was really good. All right. Becky, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. And I will be right back with Kelly Barnhart. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Our interview this week is brought to you by Eighth Wonder Brewery, one of my favorite local breweries, conveniently located in East Downtown. It's been really fun to watch Eighth Wonder evolve from its sort of humble beginnings in a little corner of a warehouse to now a gigantic warehouse, the huge backyard that they call Wonder World, where you can go before sports games, especially with uh, soccer season and baseball season heating up. Eighth Wonders Brewery is conveniently located uh, within walking distance. You might see my colleague Fred Fowler walking around there. I know it's a favorite spot of his. And there's always something new to try at Eighth Wonder. Like they just released their Procrastinator Session IPA, the official beer of doing nothing. They're going to have their hip hop series rolling out here in the next little bit. And, you know, you can always count on an Eighth Wonder beer to be 
refreshing, delicious, and fresh because it's made right here locally all the time. So thank you to Eighth Wonder, and here's our interview of the week. I'm joined this week by Kelly Barnhart, the owner of Vibrant Restaurant, coming very soon to Montrose. Kelly, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for being here. I always like to start at the beginning uh, with these interviews, especially when it's someone I don't know very well. <laughs> so did you grow up in Houston? Did you, are you, how did you make your way to Houston? I grew up in Houston and I'm one of those that left and assumed that I would never come back, but then was kind of pulled back into its vortex that it seems to have. And I love being here. Okay. So how long have you been back? Um, oh gosh, 10 years. (laughs) Um, and I know this is, this is your first restaurant. Yes. I'm not a restaurateur or chef. (laughs) So what have you been doing before you decided to get into the restaurant business? I was a curatorial assistant of Latin American contemporary and modern art at the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston. Okay. So how did you decide? (laughs) So what made you decide to get into the restaurant business? Well, I backed into it, really. I didn't start out thinking about wanting to be a restaurateur. Really, what inspired this pursuit is I had my little girl five years ago, six years ago. And I became so interested in how to promote her well-being, how to do a good job growing her in the most kind of healthy and vibrant way that I could. And um, so that pursuit kind of tuned me into my interests in well-being and ways to create well-being for people. And Vibrant, the restaurant, was kind of born out of yeah, I mean, raising my daughter basically in that way. Yeah, both of I don't have children, but both of my sisters are moms with two young children each, and I am astonished by the number of things that that we never thought about when I was growing up, like right. I screen time and you know music lessons and physical fitness and and obviously what a child eats is so important. So it's so important because really the structural integrity of their cells are set up between the age of zero and 11 and the way you feed the integrity of their cells from zero to 11 then is kind of, kind of set you up for success physically later in life. And so I became very aware of those things and kind of wrapped my head around it and then kind of wanted to create a place of well-being in Houston for my community that kind of fit that criteria that I kind of established for raising my daughter. Okay. So what are some of those criteria that are guiding the culinary direction of Vibrant? Right. So I guess the way I think about it is promoting homeostasis in the body. And that means just getting out of your own way and giving your body the ability to be kind of its truest self. And we're all innately well. And if we get out of our way, we can let our body kind of be the efficient you know, smooth operator that it was really designed to be. So ways to do that would be, you know, not having refined sugar, not having dairy, not having gluten. I'm not scared of those things, but but the absence of those things allows your body to kind of be in better harmony. And so vibrant is void of those things. And I also believe that the beauty of the food really kind of promotes kind of your your feeling of inner beauty because kind of the vibration of beauty then kind of 
matches your your subconscious identification with that energy. So our dishes are very beautiful. They're very, very um, diversely colored. And that also kind of allows a diversity of nutritional density because the colors have kind of nutrition and um, kind of vital elements attached to them. So our dishes are very beautiful. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been... So So you decided to uh, seek assistance from... Uh, a blogger, a lifestyle expert, a uh, someone who's very interested in, in healthy eating, Allison Wu. Yes. And I've been following. So once I saw that in the once the announcement about the restaurant was made, I started following Allison on Instagram. She has about two hundred thousand Instagram followers, so I'm not alone in that. <laughs> uh, and she's been posting some pictures of the dishes she created for the restaurant, and they are really stunning. They're stunning. Yes, because. I, I think that health also really comes in from being satisfied. Like I don't believe in health as I don't believe in healthy eating as sacrifice. I think it is only truly healthy if it's good for you and it's deeply satisfying and it's deeply delicious and it has kind of a complexity in flavor and a sophistication. So it has to be all of those things to be good for you because it has to satisfy and satiate your soul, you know, as well as it being healthy. So how did you decide to start working with Allison? Okay, so I, I've been working on this project for five years because there's been a lot of trial and error due to the fact that I am completely new to the food world. And I spent two years working with various restaurant chefs trying to create the vision that I had for the food that I wanted to have. I in, utterly lack in culinary skill. I don't have the patience to cook these amazing things. I understand. And so I was trying to verbally translate the vision that I had because I never I didn't know that the vision I had existed anywhere so I was trying to explain it to people and um, that direction with restaurant type chefs was unyielding because they're so used to doing things the way that restaurants normally do them and that's not what I wanted I wanted something entirely outside of the box so finally it occurred to me that I needed to go to someone who eats that way for themselves. And so it was a, a true kind of authentic expression of her, their own kind of like way of life as opposed to me trying to get a chef to mimic something that they don't innately do. And so I came across her food after, you know, years of searching and immediately recognized that the, the image that I had in my mind is what she was kind of naturally. And so I immediately knew that she was the right person to kind of articulate the vision. Yeah, and I I don't think that she's been affiliated with a restaurant before either, from at least as far as I can tell. This is her first restaurant, too. Yes, and I think that that kind, I think that we kind of have that going for us that she has no restaurant experience, and nor do I, because we kind of approach it from kind of like a pure point of view, I guess. We, we don't know how things are normally done. And so we're only doing them the way that we want them to be done. And we're just kind of backing into how to make that happen. Right, you're gonna you're gonna create the dishes that you want to serve, and then you'll figure out like how that you know gets allocated to different stations in a restaurant so that it can be repeated over. Exactly. So what we what I want is this very idealized type of food that normally you can only get at someone's at a dinner party in somebody's kitchen. And so I have these incredible restaurant consultants who add the expertise to translating that into a, a larger format, which we have successfully been able to do miraculously. 
Uh, yeah, so I was going to ask you, because it looks like you guys are like right in the middle of training. Yep. How's it all coming together? I mean, are you, are you, is it starting to feel real yet? It's feeling real, especially because today was our first day of letting the family of staff come in to let us do some real practice. So today it felt really real and overwhelmingly exciting and the culmination of five years of kind of like, like passionate pursuit on this project. Uh, and I don't want to ignore the restaurant's design because you took that like windowless dry cleaners <laughs> and I, I drove past it this morning just to kind of, it looks great. Thanks. Well, it's funny because I've always known of that building since I was little and I've always had a crush on it. And I always had this kind of weird intuition that one day I would do something cool with that building because it has such an amazing, like, original integrity in this, like, pristine retro factor yeah, to it. it's kind of a mid-century modern vibe to it, I'd say. Yeah, and it's, it's so pristine also energetically in that the the occupant before me has been this, its only occupant since 1961, since the building was built. So it just, it had never been tampered with. So its original spirit is, like, 100% intact. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've added a whole bunch of windows. There's a, There's a lot more natural light going through. You've landscaped it. I, I'm at a glance, like you know, it, at 30 miles an hour on Fairview, it, it looked like succulents and some other kind of hardier plants. Um, but it looks like it's going to be a very welcoming environment for people. That's definitely the goal. I want it to be that kind of place that really feels like a home away from home, where you you just feel kind of drawn in because of its kind of like easy, cute, pretty, high vibe, kind of good feels environment. Um. So then what are some of the dishes that you're really excited about on the menu? Like what can people kind of look forward to when they try Vibrant? Kind of um, a macro answer is the dishes, they sound a little bit complicated because they have ingredients that everybody might not be entirely used to. But what you'll find is that the dishes are actually extremely simple and highly approachable. So... So all of the dishes have this very kind of nuanced flavor profile while kind of remaining just this very cozy, welcoming food. But we have some highlights are the breakfast soca, which is, it's the soca is a, a chickpea, just kind of like this little seared chickpea patty that has fried eggs on it and various herbs and spices. And it just kind of everything has this kind of bright and lifted and elevated flavor profile so it's very it's very kind of like zingy and delightful and very satisfying and very very healthy <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so a breakfast and lunch to start i think is that right breakfast and lunch to start and then a month into it we'll add the dinner menu okay and i mean it's not it's not all vegetarian, right? There's no, some... no, okay. no, absolutely not. It's not vegan or vegetarian. I mean, you can certainly find those options on there if that's your criteria. But I kind of like to be post-dogmatic about diet profiles or kind of boxes. We don't really fit into any box. It's just kind of food that enhances your well-being in every way. Okay. Uh, and then are you doing... Any kind of alcohol with that too? or Yes. I've curated a wine program that I'm very excited about. All of the wines are some combination of natural, organic, and or biodynamic. All, again, very bright flavor profiles. And then we have a very interesting cocktail list that's still under development. We'll roll that out 
um, sh- very shortly after opening. And then are you, is sometimes this, this style of food goes along with like juices and smoothies. Are you doing any of that too? Not really. Uh, that's just not really my area of interest. I, f- I find that you get a lot more nutrition from the actual food. So it's kind of more about that. We do have one kid smoothie because kids, obviously, that's just a really effective way of sure. getting some vitamins in them. Yeah, but I, right. No, no. I, no, I, I'm pretty sure that the whole juice thing is kind of a scam, but I know people really like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I, I'm not a big believer in it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then have you set an opening date? Well, we are, are, we are tempting to open on the 20th, which is a week from today. Okay. I, that's not like set in stone, but that's certainly the plan. But certainly like by the end of the month, you think we'll be. Oh, yeah. Um, We're close. We're almost there. It looks close. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you've, you've spent five years working on this project. I know you're only just now about to open the door, but I mean, do you feel like this is the kind of thing that maybe you could open more than one of? Or are you? Are oh, you yeah. I think so. I mean, my dream would be to open tons of them, not necessarily in Houston, but other markets like Austin, L.A., New York. London, Paris. I mean, obviously, that's a total pipe dream. I'm just kind of like putting it out there and <laughs> into the universe. And yeah, we'll but see. five years ago, if you'd said I'm going to open a restaurant, people would have been well, like, well, exactly. Now I know like pretty much anything is possible. <laughs> so I think the kind of the sky's the limit. I feel like this project is kind of a reflection of kind of a, a an elevated collective consciousness. I think that people are much more interested now and focused on their well-being and being well so that we can, you know, be well to others. And I feel like there's kind of, you know, there's kind of an, an upgrade in kind of consciousness and wanting to treat ourselves as well as possible. And so I feel like Vibrant is really just a reflection of kind of an upgraded collective consciousness and about being well. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly would agree with you. I mean, there are restaurants in Houston that have kind of taken advantage that have pitched themselves as sort of healthy eating. There are, there are more coming. Um, and, and just, I mean, like just judging by the number of friends of mine who are like working out every morning or going to yoga studios or buying bicycles and, and driving less. And, you know, yeah, I, I certainly think that, you know, we still, we still want our, you know, chicken fried steaks and our barbecue, of course. but you know, you can't eat like that all the time. Right. I want to be kind of like a safe refuge that you come because you know that we are we sincerely exist for your well-being. It's not a marketing gimmick. It's not healthy-ish. It's honestly and truly healthy. We don't have one ingredient on there that would impede your well-being. So yeah, we just kind of want to be a refuge when you when you feel like that. <laughs> and this isn't going to be crazy expensive, right? Like that's the, no, that's always the worry. Well, I mean, right. And so the the thing that really interested me from a business point of view was trying to figure out a sustainable model with, you know, the best quality ingredients possible that was also economically feasible from our end and from a customer standpoint. And I really feel proud that we have been able to accomplish that because most people said it wasn't possible. Good. <laughs> Since you built this restaurant in part to uh, apply the principles that you've uh, opted on for your daughter's diet. Yeah. Has she tried the food and what does she think of it? She loves it. And the name of the restaurant really stems from that parenting philosophy, kind of raising her, the word vibrant was always kind of my guideposts. 
It would be because vibrant is it encompasses so much more than just health. Health is just like one level of the whole body, mind, soul equation. The word vibrant kind of encompasses all of it more. So I would I would think to myself, does this particular thing enhance or detract from her vibrance? And if it was enhance the vibrance, it was a green light and it was a go. And so in putting this project together, it was the only word that continues to stick because the entire project was put together with that same word as the guidepost. And the word's a little bit nerdy to use for a restaurant, but I just really couldn't get away from it because it just encompasses what it what its true essence is so completely. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm no I'm no branding expert. That's not my role in the world, but <laughs> but I kind of like it. I feel like it has some energy to it and it stands out. You know, it's not it's not like you know, one of those like X and Y restaurant names or... Right. I didn't want it to be kind of like a hip word. I wanted it to be honest because what we're doing there is about kind of honesty and transparency and integrity and serving you, you know, the antithesis of being a marketing gimmick and all those things. So to your point, yet the energy of Vibrant, it is so honest. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I have to say that, Kelly, that, that brings me to the end of my questions unless there's okay. something else you feel like you want to share with the audience about what people can look forward to when they visit the restaurant. I'm just excited for people to come and taste food that's that healthy, that's that good, because I feel like that will help kind of normalize kind of a healthier, more elevated way of eating for people once they realize how incredibly pleasurable it is. So I'm just kind of excited to see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious. I, I am super curious to try this food. Um, it's in my neighborhood. And I do, you know, I I default to like a kind of carby, bad for you breakfast, you know, bagel, you know, bagel and cream cheese or a couple of donuts or a kolache or whatever. And so I'm I'm intrigued by this thought of like sitting down and having a, a better breakfast and seeing if it makes like my mornings better. Right. That will be interesting. And we do have very kind of decadent carby breakfasts. They just also happen to be extremely nutritious and good for you. <laughs> so I think it works for people who just want something that tastes incredibly good and is very satisfying and doesn't even care about healthy food. Health is just a bonus of the place. Really. Yes, that's me. I care, I care intensely about incredibly tasty food and I'm more or less indifferent to the health. Aspect. Exactly. So, I mean, it's perfect for you. Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, so I always like to wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Okay. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. All right. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Kelly Barnhart, what's your favorite ingredient? Mm, avocado. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, Guns N' Roses. All right. Now, th this, this may blow up in my face, but do you have a fast food guilty pleasure that comes from a drive-thru? I don't. <laughs> okay. I, I felt like I I was kind of hoping that there would be like one secret thing. But there I, was an era where the McFlurry for McDonald's was as satisfying as anything on earth about a decade ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? I don't pay any attention whatsoever to sports. I only know we're in a sports season because of my ex-husband. If it wasn't for his visits... I wouldn't even know we were in a sports season. All right. And then <laughs> finally, where's your favorite place in Houston to get a taco? I'm so sorry. I haven't had a taco in Houston in years. I only go out to restaurants like once or twice a month. Fair enough. 
All right. I have to come up with, I will come up with new, you will come back on the show after the restaurant has been open for a while. I will come up with better lightning round questions. Sorry, I was very unyielding in those no, questions. No, no. That's how it goes. Uh, tell us the restaurant's website and all your social media accounts so people can follow it. Wearevibrant.com is the website and the Instagram account is at wearevibrant. And you can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.